everyone, and welcome to the podcast, Addict in the Attic. I'm Dan, and I'm here to chat to you about my life of addiction and my road to recovery. Thanks for joining me. All right, right off the bat, I just want to say that I am pre-recording this episode and the previous four, so if I haven't got back to you, if you've been kind enough to send me a message on Addict in the Attic tonight at gmail.com, which I really hope you have, uh, then the reason I haven't got back to you or mentioned you, which I will be doing for sure, is because I'm pre-recording a few episodes before I put them out there on platforms. So please keep the comments coming. I will get to them soon. A really important part of the show, I hope, will be uh, looking at your feedback, questions, comments, and tips and experiences. Tonight, I'm just going to talk a little bit about relationship with alcohol and sport. Uh, And it doesn't have to be that you're a sports lover to get something out of this podcast because we've all got relationships with alcohol where we combine it with something else. So it could be the beach or dinner or a certain friend and you just always drink with that person or at that beach or watching that show. I think I've already mentioned that I used to watch Ray Donovan and drink scotch, but I used to drink wine and we're watching any show pretty much. So it was more just sitting down thinking I was relaxing, uh, unwinding, and I was drinking alcohol. So undoing those relationships can be quite challenging. Uh, I just had the grand final, the AFL grand final was on just yesterday. So that normally, typically would be quite a big drinking affair. And I obviously didn't drink. I went to a friend's house. The kids were all there and... I brought my little selection of drinks that I've spoken about. I had like a Chinoto and a Red Bull and a V and a ginger beer, Bundaberg. Uh, and I just, I didn't even get through all those. I had three or so. And then, um, but they were there in case I needed them. They were there. And it was really good. Uh, it's great at this place though. My mate's got a quad bike and I take the kids for a ride and there's always something to do. I didn't even, you know, the footy wasn't even that important. Um, my team wasn't in it, of course, the Eagles, but. You know, it was just wasn't, yeah, there was, I was just out doing stuff, I guess. So, I mean, I really feel like I've broken that, that relationship there. Uh, when my wife said we were going and I, you know, got on board with it, I didn't even think about the fact that that's a really big drinking event and I wouldn't be drinking. So after a year and, what is it, three months, it's actually really already quite a, quite a difference. Yeah, it's not always going to be that easy like if, if you're a younger person I know you know it's socializing and stuff I think I've spoken about it it's not going to be easy to break habits because it's more in your face when you're a bit older and you've got kids and stuff like that you can actually just get lost in other stuff and it's not quite the focus like it could be in other social circles but I think now people are so health conscious and young people are, are you know doing a lot of other things I can't even don't even know what they're doing but I, I get a feeling that alcohol isn't as central as it used to be maybe get back to me if that if that's the case if there's anyone young out there what's it like being an addict trying not to drink or even if you're in the midst of drinking you're an addict or not let us know what it's like to be out there drinking at the moment as a youngster I know it's COVID at the moment and there's not much going on anyway uh, so it might be a really good time to quit but yeah give us a drop us an email on addict in the attic tonight at gmail.com let us know you know what are the, some of the difficulties you have with breaking uh, relationships with alcohol so that was difficult yeah distractions were really good and, and you know what one thing i've noticed and i think we all would as alcoholics when we stop drinking is that people actually don't drink as much as we think it was us 
So I kind of go out there and, you know, I'm looking around and going, what the I'd be half into my third pint by now. I was at lunch today and at the pub. And I went down to the uh, pub by the river and you no know, one was drinking. You know, I was with some, with some pretty like-minded people, to be fair, but one guy had one pint and that was it. And then he went out and had soda water. You know, so I just assumed when I wasn't drinking that I'd be out there white-knuckling it as all these people around me just got smashed. Uh, and it's not the case. Like, people don't drink like I do. Other alcoholics do. And you'd be surprised at how many are actually not drinking at all. Because, you know, they drive sober, not drunk. And they are responsible and... You know, they don't have this craving that they can't stop. Because a lot of us planned, we'd go to a lunch like that and we'd planned to drive home. And then before we knew it, that plan was out the window and we were five in, five pints in and on onto the whatever. And, you know, it was like, nah, see you later. I'm staying the night. This is going to be abandoned. and I probably won't go to work tomorrow. I mean, that literally was the case for me if I'd go out on a Sunday. So I would never normally go to a lunch at a pub on a Sunday just because I knew I wouldn't want to get hung over for tomorrow. How silly is that? Like I would literally plan not to go out on a Sunday at a pub because of the hangover I'd get. Because I know, I knew myself and I knew that I would be getting plastered really because I couldn't couldn't stop. Just that's the disease. That's the affliction. It's mind, body and soul. One drink is way too many. And for me, that's the focus of my sobriety. Just one drink cannot be had because uh, one's too many and a million's not enough. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just that one drink is the thing I have to avoid. And if I can do that, then I avoid all those other ones that follow. So I was talking about uh, sport and the relationship with, you know, between sport, yourself and alcohol. And for me, that was a pretty serious one. I started playing, you know, and drinking through not high school. I left high school and joined a rugby club and Thursday night training, Saturday night, Saturday game, and it became Thursday night drinking, Saturday drinking. And they were my big nights. So then rugby finished and I got too old and too injured, but the drinking certainly did not finish. I was drinking starting on a Thursday pretty heavily, like that was a big night. And then Thursday would go Friday, Saturday, uh, and Saturday night would be, you know, be a big big drinking night even though I didn't do anything like rugby or anything like that or wasn't even socializing I'd just be at home but I'd get really pissed off if I didn't get smashed you know if I didn't get fucked up on Saturday night I was a little bit resentful and I would probably drink on Sunday and if I did get fucked up on Saturday night then I'd be still pissed on Sunday morning and I would continue to drink and I would just sneakily get drunk on Sunday you know all the tricks that I said I'll talk about at some stage uh, and I will some funny Sad, funny. I think it's worth uh, a little bit of time spent on just the things I used to do. I wonder if you did anything like uh, or do anything the same. But I'll get into that at some stage. But it's just what I want to talk about is that merry-go-round that you develop as a drinker. These habitual uh, drinking styles that you get where it just becomes so ingrained. Like 30 years of uh, drinking, but that, you know, sort of 20 years of just that rugby club sport and i'm sure it, some people out there will understand what i'm talking about the training night the game day and then drinking most normal people just go home or go out for lunch or something or i don't know but i we just used to get hammered at the um at the bar it didn't help that we had a bar at the club that's none of that was the reason it was because i was an alcoholic and rugby kind of was just got in the way a little bit of the drinking towards the end to be quite honest i enjoyed rugby as a kid but then you know the drinking became the more important aspect of it uh, earning the, your drinks but yeah the merry-go-round i was just hanging on you know hanging on to my job hanging on to my friendships hanging on to my relationships 
going around and around. Thursday, Friday, drunk. Saturday, Sunday, drunk. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, as I said in uh, my poem in the last podcast, just trying to repair all the damage, just stressing about the unknown, trying to find all my lost stuff, trying to work out where these freaking phantom injuries all came from. You know, I was going nowhere, nowhere forward. And don't for a second think that I'm saying that my life's perfect now. Life is obviously full of so many challenges. Right now, I'm podcasting up in the attic. I should be down with my wife, you know, like spending time with her. So I've got work to do on some of the behaviors I still have. I should be writing out my grateful list every morning, doing my 12 steps, you know. But as I said before, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit stuck on step five at the moment. I want to share a um, list of my shortcomings with someone, but I lost my sponsor and I've kind of let that just sit which is on me, you know. If you want to make change, you've got to go into that hard place and I've got to get another sponsor and, and get back on the program. I want to finish the 12 steps and, and then take it from there. I've got to just push myself to not use excuses, not sit back and go, oh, my sponsor left me, so I'm, I can just pause now. Uh, I've just got to keep pushing myself. Obviously, I've so far from perfect, it's not funny, so early in sobriety. I'm going to push myself and beat myself up about not being the perfect little AA uh, member. The fellowship is always there for me and I'm still going to meetings and enjoy sharing and listening. Uh, doing this is really helpful. The merry-go-round, yeah, you jump off and life's good, but it doesn't necessarily guarantee that life is going to be great, obviously. I um, mean, we all know that, but uh, you're better off dealing with those bumps in the road when you're in sobriety, I find. Like, it's you, you become really quite able to manage without letting the bumps crash you off the road completely or not even knowing that you've hit a bump or not knowing what the bump was or just the blackout. All that stuff is just so hard. I don't know how I dealt with blackouts like that like just not knowing it's it's scary benders and blackouts you can do without that that's for sure just getting off that merry-go-round is it's difficult because it's something you're used to you sit on that thing and you you know the thursday is coming and, and you can you, you just sit in that habit so if breaking those habits takes um planning i think having the drinks there that you would normally have with uh say meeting a certain person or going a certain place or watching footy or whatever just make sure there's something to replace that at first it's, you just got to break that habit once you've done it for a few weeks it's broken and you can move on for me replacement of certain drinks helped but and obviously removal of yourself from those places like you know i don't go back to the rugby club that would be pretty challenging because i know that that is a place of drinking so Sometimes you have to say goodbye to those things. And if you've got a friend who doesn't get the fact that you're not drinking and, you know, that's on them. They'll probably mourn you for a while as a lost drinking buddy. I get that totally. If they're willing to stick it out, you'll find that you continue on as friends regardless of, of the alcohol. But if it doesn't work, that's something you just have to say goodbye to, unfortunately. Good friends will support you and not, you're not drinking. They'll know that it's something you need and uh, they'll adjust as well with you. To, to your new style of friendship which it'll be a more positive one no doubt we've all had those friendships where you know it's volatile drinking buddies it's not all roses that's for sure breaking the relationship getting off the merry-go-round forming new relationships that's really important just getting new uh, positive things there's plenty of things and people out there that don't involve alcohol and that's like what i was saying when i was looking around going no no one's drinking what the hell there's just so much out there to do there really is uh and people just not drinking sensible folk everywhere it's shocking you know when i was in the midst of my drinking i'd often 
uh, go walk about. That was a big thing I'd do. I'd just go and disappear for days on end. Like, especially when I was younger and at uni, I just, I remember being in a play at uni and I was the lead character, lead actor in the play. And I went to Rotnest and it was a Rotnest swim through and we were at shore at the pub and I realized it was like nighttime and the boat was leaving in the morning and they said they were going first thing. Everyone had to be back on the boat. They were leaving first thing in the morning. So I swam around in my clothes with what clothes I could looking for the boat because it was moored out, you know, in the bay. And I got freezing cold, nearly got hypothermia, I'm sure of it. And I started getting really tired, like I started to get exhausted and just kind of, oh, I could sleep now. Because I was drunk, of course. I just found this boat because I was at my wit's end. I was really honestly about to pass out. And I jumped on this boat and these people, these older people, there was two blokes and two ladies and they took me in and gave me a hot shower in, in their boat and then sort of put me to bed in a, with a rug because they realised I was fully, well, hy- not getting hypothermia nearly. And I spent the next three days with them, just borrowed clothes and drank with them, basically. Went around the island on their boat drinking like their little cabin boy they were fantastic they were the nicest people ever uh and we just got on the piss and they eventually just like dropped me home right to my front door and i'd missed like rehearsals i got dropped from this uh play that i was in everyone's like where the hell have you been and i just didn't care i was in to me paradise just driving around Rotto drunk on a boat with strangers who didn't know me and weren't judging me and were just happy to have me there drunk. And it was like just a bit of a snippet of like how irresponsible I was and how selfish. And I was always of the mindset, oh, I'm not hurting anyone. Like no one's hurt. Screw you. It's like, what, what am I doing wrong? I'm just on a beautiful island with some beautiful people, forming beautiful friendships, la di la la But, you know, everyone was worried about me. I was letting down numerous groups of people, not just the play, uh, work. And I loved Rotto for that because no one could get to me. It was, too, it was too far away. It was over the ocean. Bad luck. Sorry. Um, I can throw it all to the wind and just get smashed. So Rotto was a really uh, a relate, an island that's related to drinking to me in a big way. The Quokker Arms, just many, 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 many nights and days drinking at Rotto. But we've started going again, me and my kids and my wife went last year and we we're going again this year and it's just amazing doing it sober. Just a different island. I remember it now like I did as a kid. We used to go as a kid and I loved it. It's just breaking that relationship. The first time I went, it was really challenging. I got off the ferry with my bike and the kids and we walked down the jetty and rode past Quokka Arms. I was like, man, I could smash a beer right now. But it passed and I kept busy. You know, we went riding a lot and beautiful bays and just, yeah, keep busy. And those moments that you have, those few moments, you've just got to be really ready for them and, and not let those moments become drinks. Now my relationship with Rotto, now that I've done it once, I'm, I'm pretty confident I can go back and really just enjoy it for what it is it's amazing how much we just have to do things with alcohol and i do notice that as much as i said like people don't drink it's weird how often people have to drink and have drinks at you know events that you know why does it always have to be with alcohol it's really weird but i used to love it i used to be uh, disappointed if an event didn't have alcohol i used to be disgusted i used to go walk about a lot and just disappear vanish so my drinking was was really uh, disrespectful to others and myself, harmful to others and myself, dangerous. And as I said, I, I was kind of 
are blessed I, I, and I'd keep jobs, but just everyone has their own rock bottom. But my rock bottom, I ended up in hospital with a broken back, praying that I'd get out of there in one piece walking. So even though I haven't lost everything at any time, I nearly, very nearly lost my life, you know, as I shared before new, and numerous times. So it's as, it's as rock bottom as anyone's because it nearly, nearly killed me and and I know it would. It would certainly kill me. More recently, my, my drinking didn't do that dangerous, you know, swimming at night, driving drunk sort of behaviours. I, I was still drink driving, though, like not that long ago. Which scares me. And that's just, yeah, that's I still got shame about that. My life was completely out of control and the drinking was getting heavier and heavier uh regularly drinking scotch and wine and just i think it would have been health issues really starting to catch up with me i think uh i would have lost my family no question about that lost my house my car my job it was all a matter of when not if it was it was going to happen it's just a matter of when the drinking was getting worse as it does it just slowly takes over everything it took over rugby, and it was going to take over my whole life. So that was kind of my drinking uh, after school. I got into, like, yeah, as I said, living at uni, drinking heavily at uni, and then the rugby. There was really no respite from drinking. It was just, it was full on, and that's when it really affected my life. So relationships with alcohol, uh, I think it's really worth looking at those and, and in sobriety and or before you attempt sobriety and just have a really real good think about what you're going to replace those moments with and those relationships with it, but pe- people or places or things, you know, those ones where you just, you always had a drink because they're triggers, no doubt about it. And we need to replace those triggers with things until we can just totally do it without drinking, which we can. Thanks for listening tonight. I will, next episode, I'm going to share those tricks and little um, sneaky shockers that I used to do to try to get away with drinking of course I didn't everyone knew what I was doing I just thought I was see you next time I hope you're doing well keeping healthy one day at a time that's the attic in the attic signing off for tonight look forward to sharing again next episode bye for now (laughs) 